Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. If you have your Bibles with you, with you guys, I really appreciate it if you use it right now. If you don't have this classic style paper version Bible, would you please make your smartphone actual smart right now? And open your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 2. Because we're going to go in this chapter together. And don't be expecting for us only project to you guys. I titled my message today, Better Together. Why? Because in the first half of Ephesians chapter 2, we learn about our personal, individual salvation. Apostle Paul, we're going to use this language of death and resurrection, of uh, being seated with Christ in the heavenly place, but before we were dead in our trespasses. We were guided, led by the uh, in cravings of our flesh. So let's make a brief review of what we saw so far, because it's so powerful what is first preached here in chapter 2, verse 8. It is there that we learn that for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is one of those essential pillars of our faith. We don't negotiate that truth for any reason. There's no uh, uh, spectrum on interpretation about this truth. This is this kind of doctrine and statements is what makes us Christians. Now there is, there are other. Uh, uh, range of interpretation in other aspects of the Bible. If you should pray out loud or not, if you should raise your hands in a gathering like that, even if you should pray in tongues in public or not, these accept interpretation. Even about the return of Christ, the eschatological approach of the Bible, accept some range of interpretation. However, if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a Christian, we all know, believe, and are even willing to die for this type of truth. For by grace, we say it again, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Say amen, everybody. So we have been rescued, saved, redeemed, all as a result of God's grace. And our participation was receiving that through faith. Now we learn in Ephesians, who is the true rich? The true rich is God. He has all the riches we can ever imagine. Ephesians 1, 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our, our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. He is so rich in grace. He has grace for you and for me. We don't need to envy any blessings from anyone. Recently, I was confessing one of those moments that I was being tempted to be jealous over someone else's blessing. A pastor friend of mine, he had a chance to uh, install a brand new uh, display for his church building. It's a beautiful display in one of the Cape Coral's main avenues. And I said, God, that is so nice. Why I don't have it? And the Lord says, because you never ask. 
Just ask. You don't need to envy the grace, the favor, the blessings in anyone's life. Your Father is rich enough to give it to you. Say amen, everybody. Simply ask. Just ask Him. He has for you as He has for anybody else. Verse 18 of Ephesians 1 says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And more, His riches is not for everybody else. It is for His children. Say, I am one of them. Come on, somebody. If you are one of them, you have the right in the inheritance. Chapter 2 verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace. God is so rich that He is Him. He is even show off. He wants to show off into eternity how gracious He is toward us. In His kindness toward us. Chapter 3 verse 8, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It is so much resources and blessings and riches that Paul says, I don't have even words to describe that. Chapter 3, verse 16, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His, His Spirit in your inner being. So no matter how you arrive this service, no matter how was your week these this few days, the Lord has riches to strengthen you, to empower you. You don't need any type of uh, supplement to your body. What you need is to access the storehouse of the riches of God. What you need is just to open the cabinet of your Father and find all nutrients for your heart, for your soul this morning. Come on, somebody. Now, the Bible says that God is rich in grace. The word is charis in Greek. Charismatic comes from this word, which points to graciousness, charm, goodwill, gift. The Hebrew word is kahen, which always points to favor. I don't know about you. What I want is to be under the favor of God every single day of my life. Now, only God has grace to give. Now, the, the word favor in the Old Testament always points to the stronger supporting coming into the help of the weaker. And that's the perfect scene. I did not deserve, but God the mighty, God all strong came and helped me. He actually threw this rope of salvation. And when he knew that it could not reach me, he came himself down in our humanity in order to save us, rescue us, and give us freely the gift of salvation. Now, the word says that we have been Saved. This is a very important verb conjugation here. We have been saved. It's a perfect passive participle, which is this past voice that means that a work was done and is once and for all done, and the action, the result of that work is still active. In other words, we are saved and we are kept saved. It's very important that you never miss this aspect of our belief. 
Say, I am saved once and for all. Now, there's no other way you're going to lose your salvation because we have been saved. It's very important you see and read as the Bible says. So, what do we do with all that? We receive through faith. Our faith is our open hands to receive that salvation. Now, this is how we got saved should always remember that faith is not some merit, some work that we performed. Even our salvific faith came as a gift. And I wonder, how did I have that salvific faith? Somebody, maybe your mother, come on, mother's in the house. Maybe your grandmother, grandma's in the house, preached to you the word of salvation the gospel pay attention here and that that pep talk that mom talk came within it the faith necessary for you to make a decision so within the word that was preached to you Romans chapter 10 as you received the word you understood the word within that message there was a grain of faith that grain of faith was implanted into your heart you didn't have it you didn't have it you also received that faith now you had enough faith to make a decision it's you see there's no boasting in any part of our salvation from beginning to the end we were saved saved from what pastor saved from death i'm just reading ephesians chapter 2 saved from the transgression in our sins saved from the bondage to spiritual powers oh i remember when i used to have nightmares when i was not only scared of the dark but i was scared of sleeping oh i remember when i was in the streets and there was that weird feeling and sensation that somebody was following me I'm just sharing some of the uh, aspects of these spiritual powers that is still working on people out there, oppressing them. Sometimes oppressing to the point of driving them to depression and even some of them into possession. And they are now even like they, they lost the control of what's going on in their minds and feelings. We were saved from the bondage of our carnal gratification. That, that fake promise of sin that said that will satisfy us if we just do again. If we just have another gulp, another drink, another snore, another time with my friends. But they are not there when we have the hangover. We were free, we were saved. Mainly and above all from God's righteous wrath that's what the bible says by nature we were sons of dis disobedience but remember never as a result of our work not as a result of works ephesians 2 9 so that no one may boast and again we did not make anything to deserve that salvation 
And usually the word works in Paul's writing has to do with the legalistic, outward uh, Jewish practice, the kosher diet, the rituals and the holy days, the keeping of the behavior of the exterior appearance of things. However, because Paul was writing to the Ephesians, and the Ephesians were mostly Gentiles, I believe that the work that Paul speaks here in Ephesians 2, 9, that we should not be proud of any works, could be that works of deserving any type of divine intervention. Not necessarily Yahweh, Jehovah, divine intervention, but any type of deity. Remember that in Ephesians, we have these headquarters of a pantheon of goddess and lower G gods for the Greek and Roman culture. More specifically, Artemis or Diana. And they have this mighty, one of the wonders of the ancient world, a temple. So they thought, maybe if I just practice to Jesus, to God, this new God, the same way I used to perform works to my ancient deity, now I will be deserving. Paul says, no, it doesn't work like that. We don't need to do anything in order to receive our healing. Maybe yes, you used to go to the temple of Asclepius and wait there in one of their beds and sacrifice to this specific God in order to receive your blessings. But with Jesus, you don't need, you don't need to perform anything. You just need to ask and He's willing to give it to you. Now it's important because some people come to me and say, Pastor, but does not the Bible say in that Bible verse, just do your part and God does His part? And I say, where is, verse, where is this verse? I read the Bible a couple of times and I never found that verse. Because it doesn't exist. God doesn't need our part in the process of saving us, blessing us, healing us, and everything that is together in the salvation bundle. We don't need to perform anything. We need to be faith-filled. The only thing we need to do is to trust Him. Now, so what? What is actually our part in this whole salvific place? What is our doing in this grace? Think of God. Chapter 10 says, For we are His workmanship. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So grace doesn't leave us untouched. It leads us to a new creation, a new community, a whole new way of living. Now, we were delivered from a wrong way of living, not to a neutral uh, place. Like, now that I'm delivered from the cravings of my old sinful nature, I will do nothing. No, no, no. We are in a relationship with Jesus. We're enjoying our relationship with Jesus. So Paul actually leads us to ask you, do you have good works? But again, don't ever relate your good works to your salvation experience. Your good works is only a result, is a fruit. I like actually the word fruit here. Because fruit is just an organic 
result of a well-taken-care plant, a tree. You don't need to preach, demand, disciple, discipline, any tree in order for the tree bears a fruit. If you are connected to the, to the true vine, if the sap of the true vine runs through your veins, come on somebody, you will bear much fruit. And that's the importance for us to follow up the remaining part of Ephesians chapter 2. Are you guys ready? Because now I'm going to start to preach. This was all introduction. I just need to remind you about Ephesians chapter 2, first half. But please, do not stop in the first half. There is the second half. The way, the place, where we bear much fruit is together. We are definitely better together. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and on. Therefore, remember that one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I remember that. I remember when I had no God in my world. Verse 13, but now, everybody says, but now. Tell to a neighbor, say, but now in Christ, we in Christ Jesus, you who was once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You deserve a good amen. amen. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressing ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you, who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the holy structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, if Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, We have been saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, second half, reminds us that this salvation is more corporate than American culture tries to preach. And I know I cease with that because if there is the, the pinnacle of individualism, it is us 
here in the West. We think that it's all about me. Even our songs is all about we, not we, me. And we just should turn the am on the contrary to become we. It's very important that we understand that most of the biblical instruction, every time you read the word you there, is in the plural sense, much more than the you in the singular sense. Our salvation, it's only workable. It is only uh, developed if we are in the body of Christ, in the household of God, inside the temple of God, in the house of God, the church, the local church. And again, I'm not talking about the universal, the Christendom, the whole ecclesiological idea of church. No, I'm talking about this weirdo beside you right now. This person that goes to your life group and maybe you don't like much. But this is where God decided to make our salvation developed, display. Now, second half of Ephesians chapter 2 has the same train of thought. Paul preaches from bad to worst. Just like in the first half, he said that we were dead in our trespasses. Here, he says, remember, you were separated. Remember, you had no God. Remember, you are not even a citizen of heaven. To be honest, Paul says that we were separated from Christ. We were excluded from Israel. We were strangers to God's promise. We had no idea God had good thoughts about us. We were hopeless, restless. We were godless. Now, it's important to remember that diagnostic because that's how I came to salvation. You only accepted Christ because you concluded you could not save yourself. No one will ever take a medicine unless he or she agrees with the diagnostics. Are you guys with me? So Paul says, remember, we were once far off. We were distant from God. So be merciful, be compassionate, be patient with those that are oblivious to God's truth. They don't get it. They are natural. When they approach the Bible, they think this is some sort of a spell, mystical, magic book. But it is not. It's a loving letter from a loving father to his children. That's why they don't get it. But you once was like that. It is good to remember once in a while where we could be, where we will be without Jesus. Because that will lead us to be more gracious, more patient, to be honest, more forgiving, forgiving to one another. Paul begins that second half saying that we were like that. Gentiles, call uncircumcision. And the expression of circumcision is not something we should take lightly. He's using intentionally, if you have like my Bible here, ESV version, put it in, in quotation. Put it in quote because it was a belittling. It was a, a prerogatory. It was down to the person. You guys remember when David trying to stand against Goliath, trying to belittle the big giant. He says, who are you uncircumcised? So to be called uncircumcision, it was a big uh, type of cussing or uh, belittling who you are. But we now are the true Israel of God. We were, a, we were connected with God's 
people. Remember, that's what Paul says. Remember, you were separated from Christ. Remember, you had no Messiah. You did not expect a better future. Paul insists, remember. Now, it's important to remember also because we live in this epidemic problem of comparison through social media. And we tend to compare ourselves with people that are better off than us. They have that better car, the better house, the better husband. You don't should compare ever the husbands, ever. But they have better. And you compare yourself with them. But no, Paul says, no, no, if you have to compare yourself, compare yourself with yourself in the past. Because you're going to remember that God made a work in you and He just started. He has much more in store for you. The story is not ended yet. Keep moving forward. Remember, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Some Bible versions actually speaks, you were without citizenship. No rights whatsoever. If you are an immigrant, you know very well what it means to be alienated. What it means to not have the access to the citizenship benefits. However, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, you are a citizen of heaven. And because you and I are citizens of heaven, we don't need to look for any earthly citizenship benefits. We have everything heaven can provide us. It is better than any health care. It is better than the right to vote. It is better than any right or privilege of any special passport or a special number or the right to drive. You have all the blessings in the heavenly places. You have the health you need. You have the right to fulfill God's design purpose in your family. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to, the, to God for His glory. What is the best thing about being citizen of heaven is that for every single promise, all the blessings we can find in the Bible, it is for the citizens. And I am one of them. The Bible says, verse 13, 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who was once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Once we were far away from God, far away for His blessings, but now we have been brought near. Notice that this passive voice in Ephesians, in Ephesians is intentionally displayed there. It's passive because you are passive in the whole process. It was God that operated salvation. It was God that drew your heart to Him. It was God that woke you up this morning and made you to come this morning to receive His blessing. And now, once again, there is no place for pride or boasting. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross... Redeem us for our relationship with God, but also brought us to be part of His people, a relationship with His people. So in Christ, 
from bad to worse, we were brought from better to best. In Christ, we expect one degree of glory to another degree of glory. We are being transformed. And that's why we are growing together. What we can expect in Christ? Number one, we expect the standard state of peace. Say with me, peace. Peace is not something that you achieve. Peace is your constant, standard, day-to-day -day lifestyle. Colossians asks us to make a decision. First, take a look at the peace of Christ that rules your heart. Not that you're going to seek peace to make that decision. No, no, no. Because you are in constant state of peace and now you're wondering to move to Australia or to buy that specific car and suddenly the calmness waters of your soul is disturbed. So stop, don't make a move, don't make the decision until you go back to your standard, rightful state of peace. Come on, somebody. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.14, He Himself is our peace. The Bible says in 15, Jesus made peace. Or verse 17, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So the word peace here in the Bible is eirene, eirene, which is directly connected to the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom is very broad. It's the state every believer should be, not pursue, stay there. It refers to the absence of war. I'm not competing with my wife. She's definitely better than me. I don't need even to wonder about it. So I don't, I don't, I, I mean peace about that. She is more smart, more beautiful. She thinks, things that I can never even imagine. She's thinking before me. So stop the competition in your marriage. Just to stay at peace. Come on, somebody. I know I'm speaking for some couples in the house. Now, also refers to friendship. Now, it's very important that at this season, at this time in your life group season, which is the end of the first semester, the group that first were just like testing each other's interest of joining the group, because I know some of you guys came to us because you were looking for better business. You're looking to make the closing and making, maybe make an extra bucks for your business. Some of you guys actually came looking for a spouse, which is okay. We, you know, it's where beautiful people gathers is in the church. But eventually, come on, eventually your life group that is the place where the peaceful people gathers builds friendship. Because it speaks about friendship too. It is related to happiness and well-being. It speaks of prosperity, health, and good luck. In other words, your family, your friends, start to wonder now what happened to you after you joined that life group. Because it seems that now you just have a better luck. Everything is coming together for your good. It's because your peace gives you that favor of God. Come on, somebody. And the Bible also speaks on peace, pointing to the state of those that know that they were saved and they are kept saved. So you are not afraid 
of losing your salvation. One of my studies defined the biblical peace referring to Isaiah chapter 32, verse 16. I love it. He says, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, where everything is wild, when everything seems reckless, justice will dwell and righteousness abide in the fruitful field and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness quietness and trust forever my people will abide in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places that's the peace of the children of God. What can we expect in Christ? Number two, no more separation. Ephesians 2.15, by abolishing the law of commandments, expressing ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So the wall of law of commandments and regulation like the circumcision, Sabbath, kosher, does not exist anymore. Now we can come with boldness before the throne of grace. It's a matter of you closing your eyes and you gather together with two or more and you know Jesus makes his presence manifested. There is no ritual. There is no process. There is only thirst and hunger and he manifests his love there. Now... Maybe Paul, when he speaks about this wall of separation, he was thinking on the wall that used to separate Gentile, proselytes, people that were converted to Judaism in the temple in Jerusalem. For them, they could not be together with the other Jews. Actually, there was a fence, a separation, and the sign in their sight saying, if you cross this line, you will be killed. By one of the Jews on the other side. Maybe Paul thought that maybe when he brought that wall of separation image, he was thinking on that. The fact is, now we are not separated. The curtain was torn apart from top to the bottom. The Lord came out in our direction. And now we can call him Abba. He is our daddy. He is our father. Number three, we became a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, raise your hand if he's in Christ. Come on, somebody. He's a total new creation. He's not male or female. He's not middle schooler or graduate high schooler. It is not about separation. And I know we have our life groups in groups of interest and separated in ages, which is, it's okay but I love when we all gather together that from the babies to the elderly, we are all singing and worshiping Jesus together because we are one new creation in Christ. Number four, we have access. Oh, if you understand what access means. Ephesians 2.18, for through him, through the Son, we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access in one is spirit to the Father. 312, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence 
through our faith in him. Access. Access to the right person in the right time can open you that specific door. If you have access to the right person, if you only had access to that specific important person, now the Bible says we have access. We have access not to a stranger, not to a politician, not to an influential person out there. We have access to our Father. Because we are not only, pay attention, connected, made citizens. We were made children to a new household. It is a whole new family. And that's the fifth. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens in the saints and members of the household of God. Look, if the world out there, they disrespect everybody but family. If they forget about everybody but family, much more our God. He cares for you. He never forgets you. You are more than a citizen. You are part of the family. And because of that, we are expecting growth. Every healthy family grows. Babies comes in a healthy family. That's why our church is full of them. Hallelujah. I love the babies. And they are always popping up in this church every time. Literally, look around. Look backwards. And you're going to see a lot of these cribs all around here is because we are more than citizens we are part of the household of God now the family is not yet complete that's why this we have these empty chairs this morning the house is not yet finished and the temple is still being built we are like these stones being placed, edified in the temple of God. I need stones underneath me to give me support, to speak in my life, to encourage when I'm trying to give up. I need stones besides me to give me firmness, focus, to prevent me to run away, astray, and I need stones above me so I can give support, so I can be the reference from, for them. Are you connected? Are you feeling part of the family? Let's always stand up this morning. We are virtually apart from every other religion for many reasons, but when I was preparing this message, one thing that came to my mind is that usually religions have their temples, their holy shrines, where the adherents of those religions come to worship and pay tribute to their gods. But Christianity is different. 
Because God comes to be encountered not in a special place built with bricks, cement, but God comes to be encountered in the gathering of a special people.